Have you ever gone to read a comic book only to find an illustrated version of the Communist Manifesto and thought to yourself, why'd I buy that? Then do we have a show for you. It's Why'd I Buy That, the podcast where we explore and examine the impulses and influences behind the things we buy. In other words, we investigate all things advertising, the principles and pitfalls, the economics and execution, the stories and psychology behind ads, and the world of advertising. I am your delicious-smelling host, Abe. And I'm your pleasant-smelling host, Ryan. In this episode, we're going to talk rebranding. We'll harvest some potatoes, smell some old men, eat a few Big Macs, and try a new beverage. But first, let's set the stage. I assume you know everything about branding, but I'm going to define it anyway because I also assume you enjoy listening to me define things. I mean, that's most of what I do here on the show. Branding is promoting a brand or a company and giving it unique elements. It's kind of creating a flavor of your company. How does this flavor feel? How does this company feel? Or a personality for your brand or your product. Right. What is the personality? Exactly. Every good brand has a distinctive personality. It helps build loyalty with customers and it makes it easy to remember. And yet there are times when a brand uh, just isn't viable. It doesn't work anymore uh, for various reasons. Yeah, so you or have it's, to... it's not working as well as it used to. Yeah. It's time for a refresh. It's time for a refresh, a, re- a new personality, a reinvigoration, taking your product or your brand to the spa and coming out with just something exciting. Something different. Did you say to the spa? Yeah, to yeah. the to okay. the yeah, sure. advertising spa. One of those Swiss uh, f- fancy places where they put the, those heat rocks on yeah, your spine. Yeah, exactly. You're doing that to your brand. Cucumbers you on come your out. eyeballs, mud face wrap stuff. Yeah, you start over. You start over with your brand's personality in a process called a rebrand. For example, I used to be a portly garbage man named Wilbur with terrible body odor. Then I changed my name to Abe. This is, Ryan wrote this. And it was beautiful. It's great. Uh, For a better example of a rebranding that might be delivered better than laughing in the middle of it, let's go back in time to the 18th century. Uh, In those days, people in Europe mainly subsisted on wheat. Oh, people in Europe. Yeah. People in Europe, uh, they mainly <laughs> ate wheat and other grains that they had been eating wheat for eaters. thousands of years. All the stuff that was native to the old world. Yeah, but for hundreds of years uh, leading up to that point, Europeans had access to foods from the Americas like corn, tomatoes, and potatoes. That's right. Uh, all of those things came from uh, North or South America and had you know been available through the, you know what's known as the Columbian Exchange. Uh, products from the Americas going to Europe and so on. But Europeans didn't really like those things. They didn't like uh, potatoes, for example. They thought of potatoes as bland and uninteresting, uh, inedible, and gross. They just thought, I don't want this. This is food fit for animals. Uh, the the kale of its day. Oh, the kale, yeah. The most disparaged, misaligned vegetable and leafy green out there, yeah. right? Who yeah. doesn't love kale. Well, uh, potatoes were cheap and easier to produce than wheat, so it actually made a lot of sense for people to eat them. Yeah, and so you have rulers and leaders in in Europe saying, well, people are starving. They don't have enough wheat. We're having grain shortages and other issues. Why can't people just eat potatoes? They're cheap. They're they're food. You know, just eat them. Any idiot can grow them. I mean, look at those folks up in Idaho, right? Yeah. (laughs) But Zing. So according to legend, 
the king of Prussia ordered a field of potatoes planted. He said, I want people to start eating potatoes. Let's plant a big field now, of hey, potatoes. Hold, hang on just a second. The king of Prussia, this was... Prussia was Russia before, right? No, Prussia. Started with, then they decided, they voted, we have too many letters in our name, get rid of the P, we're just going to be Russia, not Prussia. It was. It's like pre-Russia. Uh, sure. Right? That's, yes. No, I legitimately, don't I don't know what Prussia, Prussia is. is Nobody now, does. Prussia is I mean, now part of Germany. Prussia was a was a kingdom, one of the German oh, okay. kingdoms. That's and sounding then, familiar now. Yeah, it became yeah. part of Germany. Uh, das ist gut. Yes. Exactly. We get back to Germany later in the episode, right? little teaser for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? A little bit of Germany comes yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the king of Prussia wants people to eat potatoes. He plants a big field so of potatoes. So did Russia steal their name from Prussia? Yeah. Their they neighbors? said, I really like what I these guys we, are doing with it. their name. Do you think they'd notice if we just lop off a letter? We'll, yeah. 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 We'll be known as Russia. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so he's got this field of potatoes. Uh, the king big of field Prussia. of potatoes. King of Prussia. And as a way of getting people to get excited about these potatoes, he orders the field, he orders armed guards to stand around the field at all times. And in an M. Night Shyamalan-worthy twist, he also orders these guards to actually let folks steal the potatoes. So it's so you're clever. kind of going to do a, a lousy job. And I mean, he could have just hired a mall cop, right? It would yeah. have been and, the same and, and, thing. And let thieving happen, yeah. right? Isn't that a thing? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm hard hitting today. On if you're from Idaho, of Idaho and if, if you're, you're a mall, mall cop from Idaho, from, you are watch out. You're yeah, Abe is not bottom your fan. Of the rung. Bottom uh, rung. Yeah, and so you know, and since we all know Prussians are incredibly gullible people, they started to think, hey, these potatoes. If there's guards, these things might be worth something. They might be pretty good. Uh, I'm gonna go steal some. And also, since Prussians like to eat the things they steal, potatoes became a popular and viable food. Yeah, and those are the two main things we know about Prussians. It's they, pretty. It's a pretty clever tactic this yeah. king came up with. Guard it and then let it be stolen. And yeah, make it seem like it's it's exciting. Make some buzz. Uh, you know, it's like letting um, pop stars drink your soda. Make it seem like it's it's exciting and something for the elite. Make it an elite product so people will steal it and want it. And so these Prussian peasants started stealing potatoes, eating them, and saying, "Hey, these aren't bad. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna have more potato dishes now." This is not the only country that has a legend like this. I mean, this one talks about Prussia, but France had its own similar legend about a king in a potato field. Uh, there's there's English legends and and uh, Italian legends, but, but basically the idea is, is is a way of making potatoes seem more exciting is to brand them that way, to rebrand them from being lousy animal food to exciting, delectable party foods. So in other words, this probably didn't actually happen. This wasn't really a thing. It's kind of more of a legend that's passed on. So we've spent the last few minutes here telling you a lie. But uh, by but a valuable educational lie. As all lies are. All lies, I think, are you, you learn a lot. You learn more from lying than you do from telling the truth. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. I, I think Abraham Lincoln said that. Yeah. By changing the story of potatoes and making them seem more elite and valuable... The Prussian king made them more desirable. And this, to be noted, is different from simple brand differentiation. We've talked about brand differentiation in an earlier episode uh, because a rebrand is taking a brand that isn't resonating and reinventing it. Brand differentiation is trying to consciously be aware of what other brands are doing and trying to stand out. So they're similar uh, and they involve a lot of the same creative processes, but a rebrand is a reinvention. Is, is redoing yourself, doing something new after yeah. you've already had a yeah. brand. In a, re, in a rebranding, you're just kind of looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, what do I need to change? In yeah. a 
brand differentiation, you're looking at others and saying, hey, how can I be different from company A, B, and C? Very well put. The Old Spice Company originated in 1938, and they quickly branded themselves as a classy, nautical-themed cologne. It's right there in the name, Old and Spice, and you've got these uh, maritime feelings. Yeah, and, and old people said, hey, that is Old the people spice everywhere rejoiced. Me. Yeah, yes. old people, old men love sailing ships. Yeah, there was they a company. Have, they did then, they yeah. did in the 30s, they do now. Yeah, it's not much has changed. Yeah, and so Old Spice was known for decades as an old man sense. It's really, it's what you get your grandfather for Father's Day, really. Here's some Old Spice, enjoy. Knock yourself out. Yeah, here. Go to town. Nothing says you smell bad like giving somebody cologne. Yeah, exactly. Right? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's an okay gift. Well, fast forward to 2008, Old Spice, the name is wearing a little bit old. You see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, They finally realized they're getting out-advertised by some of these other cologne makers like Axe, Body Wash, and other hip and edgy scents that presented themselves as a way to attract women. Yeah, it wasn't until 2008 or so when people were like, you know what? Instead of just scents, smelling Scents could like be used ocean. to be attractive? Yes. Weird. Yeah. But yeah, there were all these, these hip, exciting, very manly, these shirtless guys running around uh, getting sprayed with things. Um <laughs> The advertising, yeah, that's what was happening. Shirtless men running around getting sprayed no, with I, There were the Bodman commercials that you'd go, you'd go to the movie theater and that's what they would play yeah, every I, time you'd go to I a movie. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one, the Bodman. I went to the wrong movies. Apparently. I guess so, yeah. Uh, well, Old Spice, in response to this, saw that their sales were sagging. They said, oh, we're just not making In addition money. to their clientele. Yeah, our clientele. Our clientele our are sagging. Our clients are old people. They're dying. They're sagging <laughs> into their graves. Their sales are sagging. This is just, this it's isn't going to really work. It's a really saggy situation. Yeah. We've got a whole lot of sag <laughs> they said, they said, going on They here. reached out to Widening Kennedy, the famed ad agency, and said, help our sag. Yes. And uh, and they responded in a big way. Yes. They had a scent called, uh, so Old Spice had a scent at the time called Glacial Falls, which was selling poorly. Sales were sagging. The agency suggested they rename it Swagger. So they said, all right, give us the word sag. We'll add a W add to a it. W. And it's Swagger. Bob's your uncle. Uh, the result was a new campaign focused on the idea of Swagger, this kind of macho, young, manly, self-confident uh, approach and suddenly old spice stopped being about being old and thinking about Sagging. tales of the sea while you sag it's about being young and manly the scent quadrupled in sales in just a short amount of time so, so when it was called glacial successful. falls nobody wanted it and it was like glacial falls i don't want to smell like that yeah. but i want to smell like swagger I'm buy as much swagger as my minivan can haul yeah, and so they started off this campaign with uh, some very macho ads. They you know, had celebrities like LL Cool J Which and, is, and Brian Urlacher, name. the NFL player. Yeah, the, those they had some basic, simple macho ads. And then... Yes, the campaign really took off with an ad that I'm sure you've heard. If you have done anything in advertising or thought about advertising, uh, it was called Your Man Could Smell Like This. Uh, ad which went from macho to the silly in a good way. It starts off with a, a guy just talking to you in the, in the bathroom, ordinary setting, talking about the scent, and pretty quickly the background is changing and he's still going through this really fast-paced dialogue. Uh, uh, I'm, here you go. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using lady-scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamond. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. 
that ad uh, went viral very quickly. It was a very yeah, popular. Everyone ad. was sharing it. Yeah, people were talking and about it's it. It's hilarious. Are, it's really funny. Yeah, it's a great ad, and it, it's well worthy of praise. Um, but it, it definitely reinvented uh, Old Spice uh, for a different audience and, and changed the tra- the trajectory of the brand uh, significantly. All right. Well, I feel like uh, swaggering outside for a while. So let's take a short break. Yeah, enough swaggering in the booth. Yeah, let's go swagger outside. Let's take this swagger outside. When we come back, we'll talk about when rebranding is a solution to scandal. And we're back with Why'd I Buy That? Talking today about rebranding and a scandal alert. Here we go, diving into some of the needs to rebrand, including... When there's a scandal. Yeah. Old Spice shows us that a rebrand can invigorate sales and make your product more exciting, but it can also help when a PR disaster sends your sales into a slump. January 2004 at the Sundance Film Festival, movie fans were treated to a little indie documentary shot on really a shoestring budget from a guy named Morgan Spurlock. His movie was called Supersize Me. It documented his plan to eat nothing but McDonald's for a 30-day period. Every single meal... McDonald's. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, McDonald's. Yeah, and he started out as healthy-looking, even slender guy. I think he's a little bit on the tall side, but certainly not not an unhealthy-looking human being. Well, after 30 days of nothing but McDonald's, Spurlock gained 24 pounds, his cholesterol went way up, and he suffered a number of other side effects. Anytime they asked him in the in the movie, would you like to supersize it, his rule was, yes, I say yes to that. After Sundance, after the movie premieres at Sundance and all the Sundance people are all excited and they're eating their McDonald's and the movie theater saying, what? What did I do? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the movie went into wide release and McDonald's had a major PR problem on their hands. It's not like anyone would have accused McDonald's of being a health food place before the movie. But this movie really focused a lot of attention on McDonald's and turned the supersize option into a punchline. So what is McDonald's going to do in this situation? Somebody is very clearly pointing out that their food is unhealthy. Well, six weeks after the movie came out, McDonald's dropped supersize as an option you could have at their restaurant. Yeah, they renamed it to be obese size. Yeah, they just said, let's double down. Let's just, size let's just be honest about who <laughs> yeah. we are. Let's, let's, yeah. let's th- th- clogged artery yeah. size me. Yeah, exactly. And people loved it. And today, McDonald's <laughs> is thriving. Yeah, thriving. Yes. You walk in and you roll out happy. Yeah. <laughs> They also started to add a lot of salad options to their menus, and they even gave parents the option to add fruit or yogurt or vegetables to their kids' Happy Meals. And we should note that if you were to ask McDonald's uh, what happened, they would say none of these changes had anything to do with the movie. It was all just a happy, wonderful coincidence. Just they just like, oh, we were going to get rid of Super We were going to add yogurt. I mean, what are you talking about? We were always— Morgan who? Yeah, yeah Spurlock yeah. who? It's amazing, the coincidence. It just happened to coincide six weeks after the movie. These initial changes were followed by more and more healthy meal options and a focus on the authenticity of their food and less on portion size or their traditional foods like the Big Mac. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of an ongoing rebrand, actually. In the last 10 years, they've been doing a lot of that. Now they have burgers. Now they're promoting burgers that don't have any artificial Yeah, all the artificial whatever. flavors and yeah. colors are out of their uh, Big Mac now. Yeah, so they're kind of... It's, it's, it's a, it's a it's gradual evolving. rebrand. And it, I think it's a good thing. I think you'd have a hard time saying, shame on you, McDonald's, for doing this, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it is a good thing. It, but uh, the reason it was spurred on, certainly— By Spurlock. W- yes. So 
watch there out. There you go. Yeah, yes. that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could only do that if your last name has spur in it. Yeah, otherwise you would have had a totally yeah, different Good luck trying to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, McDonald's is not the only major brand to rethink things after a scandal. Volkswagen is another big example from recent memory. Das, das, das Auto? Das Auto. Das Auto. I don't know. Yeah. I don't speak this is the, This is where, when we talked about yes, Germany coming this back, the hint. this is Prussia, this is Russia, Germany, Germany Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Way back in 2015, Volkswagen was embroiled in the Dieselgate scandal, which, if you don't know, they had essentially told their cars, they'd programmed them in such a way that when they were being tested, uh, when a computer was plugged into them to monitor emissions and fuel efficiency and that sort of thing, the computer would literally lie and the engine, the car, would literally lie to this computer and say, oh, yeah, no, things are great. We're, we're within these, this range of emissions, and our cars are clean and fuel-efficient and awesome. Yeah, and suddenly Volkswagen, which for a long time had enjoyed a very strong public image and a reputation for fuel efficiency, their ads were all about these diesel Jettas and how much great mileage you could get. Suddenly, they were the bad boy of the automotive world. Bad boy, bad boy, right? Yeah. Cop song. Yeah. So what did they do? They had to rebuild public trust and change their bad boy image. There just weren't enough bad boy customers out there. Yeah, who they, wanted they, this they tried for a while to just hog. say, "Hey, let's 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 go all in on this bad boy <laughs> yes. thing." They added but, spikes and cannons and yeah, lasers. Painted all their cars black. Yeah, now it, um, it, it would artificially add emblackening uh, in, in agents to the exhaust. Yeah, so, so they more they'd pollute even more. Yeah, rolling coal. Yeah, yeah, they were coal, coal burning. The coal yeah, burning jet. Absolutely. Was, yeah, uh, weirdly, was it didn't thing. work. Yeah, uh, the Mad Max world loved it, but yeah, uh, beyond that. It was a very short-lived rebrand. So instead, what they did was decided to change their advertising and branding to focus on family-friendly crossover vehicles. So your your Touregs, uh, your you know, more passengers can fit, more cargo room. Uh, instead of the diesel Jetta, now it's it's the Tiguan or the the Atlas. These are yeah, these which, are your Volkswagen. By the way, what is it like these car names like Tiguan? I mean, what is it? What is a Tiguan? It's an iguana with the A removed at the end, and then they and add the, a T on. Maybe like a tiger. Tiger like iguana. Tiger iguana. It's like one of those uh, portmanteaus or something. Uh, it's like a chimera. Yes, that's like, exactly like is that. that. Their next model. Yes, the Tiguan. <laughs> that's what they were thinking. They're like, let's be mysterious and let's create a new animal hybrid of an iguana and a tiger <laughs> that everyone will get excited about. Tiguan. Well, it's really too soon to tell if this rebrand has worked, but it's an interesting approach. Indeed. Speaking of approaches, Abe, I feel like approaching that six-piece chicken nugget over there. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at a few rebrand disasters. And we're back talking about rebranding. And sometimes what might seem like a great opportunity or a great direction to take a rebrand, uh, turns out it's not such a hot idea. Yeah, let's talk about some bad rebrands. Which was the name of my band in high school, actually, the yeah. bad rebrands. Yeah, they drove around in a Jetta. Played they heavy metal, ate uh, all the... McDonald's food we could handle. Yeah, they made fun of Prussia all the time, which is weird. All their yeah. songs were and about we Prussia. And Old Spice. Yeah. It's just, this episode really is a, yeah, is a, is a, a big flashback to high school. So many memories. Him. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, the most notorious bad rebrand in history. Yes, talking about The Gap. Do you remember this in oh, 2010? How, how could anyone The forget? Gap unveiled a new logo that changed from their old logo. So their old logo hat was like a blue square yes. with the letters GAP in yeah, it. Yeah, kind of punched out there, stenciled. Yep. Yep. And then they said they unveiled under with a lot of fanfare a new logo that had the letters GAP, but instead of being in a blue square, there was a tiny blue square hanging off the P. 
It was amazing, and everyone loved it. No, actually, no. It was criticized yeah. by everyone in the entire world, and they changed their logo back a week later. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a silly, kind of an embarrassing debacle. That is not the most notorious bad rebrand in history. No, of course, we are talking about New Coke. New Coke, the taste sensation that everybody loves. Journey back with me to 1985. Back to the Future has just come out. Huey Lewis is at the top of the charts. And Coca-Cola is losing market share. People are just not drinking a lot of Coke. And Pepsi is the big heavy hitter of the soft drink world. Yeah, everyone's like, hey, Pepsi's where it's at. New generation. Crack me open a Pepsi. Uh, Coke announces in this period of tumult and crisis, that they're going to redo their formula. Coke would henceforth and forever taste differently. Yeah, it turns out that Coke had done a lot of market research and had developed a new, sweeter taste that did incredibly well in multiple taste tests. In fact, in all of these taste tests and in some focus groups they did, new Coke beat both regular Coke and Pepsi every single time by a pretty large margin. Coke figured they had a winner, and they didn't want to introduce it as an alternative flavor since they already had some alternative flavors, like Diet Coke and Cherry Coke. Instead, this new flavor would replace Old Coke completely, immediately, irrevocably, henceforth. Yeah, apparently their bottlers, the canning company, said, hey, we can't handle that many flavors. What, What kind of crazy people are you? And so we'll get rid of Coke completely and just do new Coke. The new flavor was unveiled in April of 1985. There was a big press event. There was a big marketing push. Uh, Everyone was really excited to try this new flavor of Coke. And at first, the response was great. Stock prices went up. People were like, this flavor is awesome. I'm going to drink nothing but this for the rest of my life. It's going to be amazing. But after a few weeks, people, especially in the South, for some reason, began they, to... No, it's because they love their Coke. Coke Coca-Cola is headquartered in Atlanta. It's true. You go to the I lived in the South for a while, and they, they say, instead of just, you know, get me a drink or a soda pop or whatever, they say, do you want a Coke? And you say, yes. And they say, what flavor? And, you know, a Coke is just a soda. Yeah. Call it a Coke. So, but they are very partial to Coca-Cola itself. And so folks in the South started writing strongly worded letters uh, saying, hey, bring back the old flavor... We're tired of this garbage, and we like uh, auto racing. Yeah, they just threw that in on the side. We love <laughs> PS. We love Is those there stock car you can races do to get us some more NASCAR down yeah, this way because yeah. we love it. Yeah, they, they, they. But to be fair, people in the South put that in every letter they write so to anyone. Many people. Yeah, it's not even funny. And at the same time, you get a lot. You're seeing, you start seeing a lot of articles in newspapers like the Chicago. I think the Chicago Tribune or some big Chicago paper had like an op-ed, basically making fun of Coke and telling everybody that New Coke was terrible. Uh, and Pepsi at this point says, hey, look at what's happening. Hey, and they just start declaring publicly that they had won the cola war. Yeah, it's over. Pack it up. Yeah, it's we're done. done. We won. Just Everyone, casualties yeah. here nobody's, on the battlefield. Nobody's going to drink Coke anymore ever. They were so emboldened that they set Michael Jackson on fire yeah. thinking, <laughs> we can do no we wrong. Can do, we we're can do whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. Well, to make a long story short, 78 days later, which is about three months later, after launching this new flavor, Coke retired it and brought back the old flavor, but this time under a new name. Instead of just Coca-Cola, it was going to be called Coca-Cola Classic. So they rebranded Coke, their original flavor, yeah, and called accomplished. it yep, Coca-Cola Classic. New People branding. People at the bottling place rejoiced. Yeah, the public rejoiced. Everyone was rejoicing. There was a, just a <laughs> national... Much rejoicing. That's why we celebrate National yeah, Coca-Cola Reagan Classic Day every happy. year. Yeah. 
uh, sales went way back up. Uh, and since then, Coke ha- has been the dominant cola maker, leaving Pepsi behind. So Pepsi, you know, they, they extinguished Michael Jackson. They said, oh, maybe we should, maybe we <laughs> should try harder. Yep. Yeah. Let's cool it on the celebrity burnings. Yeah. And they now. haven't burned any celebrities yeah. since. So in the end, it worked out for Coke. But this is a cautionary tale for other brands. You don't want to mess with a good product. It might just be easier to rebrand your existing product. Just keep the keep the flavor, the taste, everything the same. It's kind of like the, when we talked about cigarettes yeah. way, way back when. Yeah. I mean, it has a lot to do with brand differentiation. But in this case, rebranding the old flavor as Coca-Cola Classic yeah. proved to be a winner. And of course, there are those who claim that this was the object all along, that the whole new Coke fiasco was the plan. Uh, and if that were true, it would make it one of the most notable marketing stunts of all time. But there's no evidence for that. Uh, and most soda historians believe that uh, this was a legitimate thing, that yeah. they actually tried new Coke and it didn't go over well. We'll leave it to the conspiracy theorists and flat earthers out there to decipher. Uh, so to sum up, if you want to rebrand your product, armed guards are always the way to go. If Coke had just done that first without dealing with this new Coke issue, they probably would have been a lot more successful. Pepsi could still try it. Uh, it worked for the king of Prussia. It can work for you. Armed guards, it seems like, are the solution more and more to today's Yeah, it's most of today's marketing ills uh, be could solved. be solved with armed yeah, guards. Or bury your product in a field. Yes. Of dirt. Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. Why'd I Buy That is produced by Saxton Horn Communications. Our producer is Justin Jarlsberg-Dial. And our art. We have not mentioned this to date, and this is embarrassing on us. We have a fantastic graphic designer who does all of our art that you see online. It's great stuff. His name is Eric DeWall. If you have comments on today's episode, questions about advertising, ideas for future episodes, or you'd like to tell Abe that water with a little pepper sprinkled on top doesn't count as new water, please visit our website at saxonhorne.com. Until next time, we wish you all the supersized meals you can eat, swaggering scents, and clean emissions, not necessarily in that order. This is Why'd I Buy That. Thank you for listening. <laughs>